0: the baseball 365 podcast and here are your hosts justin hughes and andrew mcquiston welcome to episode 167 of the baseball 365 podcast my name is justin hughes and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us so usually i plug our twitter accounts right at this point every episode today i'm going a different route how about some iTunes reviews we don't get many of them it's been a while Really, we haven't had an iTunes review ever since Andrew and I picked this thing back up, and I'd love to have a few new ones, um, some nice new reviews for our show. So if you have a few moments, just I'd we'd be incredibly appreciative if you wrote a nice review for us or at least hopped on there and left us a five-star rating on iTunes or whatever it is you listen on. That helps us in a good way. All right, it's the second base preview episode. Andrew and I are going to cover the second base position. Who do we like, who we don't, who we're indifferent on we'll touch on a lot of names and as usual we'll probably go long and split this into two episodes all right andrew we'll get you on i've had a question i've wanted to ask you this last week and it involves draft strategy but something we don't like we don't really talk about this during the position previews like in like a 15 team draft with 23 active roster slots um and usually you have 27 bench slots, but there has to be something that you wait on. Something usually ends up at the end of the priority list that you take in like those rounds 21 through 23. What What? slots are usually left for you to fill that you're kind of putting at the back burner in those those three
1: rounds? Uh, I would say typically my last outfielder or more often probably my last pitcher I actually I don't really think of it like most people do with 23 like your first 23 rounds are your starters and then after that is your reserves mm-hmm. I like when I get to those rounds it's it's very common for me to draft my like top couple reserve hitters before my last say probably one pitcher maybe two uh typically the reason is just when you're in those rounds in there you're starting to find or you're starting to get to hitters where you're running out of playing time a little bit you know like playing times getting thinner mm-hmm. and i just always feel like i can find pitching later so yeah i don't i almost never or rarely at least fill my 23 starting slots in the first 23 rounds. Most of the time it's, I'll have one, two, sometimes even three, four reserve hitters before I have like my ninth pitcher. So,
0: you know, that makes sense. You know, as I've done drafts and I've taken those pitchers in rounds 21 through 23, they don't feel much different than the guys that are out there in 25, 26, 27. They don't. So it's it's a good strategy to get some bats right there. Me, personally, I looked at my two drafts and my 21 through 23 in the two drafts, both of them were two pitchers and one outfielder, like my last two pitchers and then my fifth outfielder. But I'm going to have to rethink that. I think that's a good point you just made there.
1: Yeah, it could could even be. uh, There's times where it's second catcher, Mm -hmm. uh, depending on what I've done there. And I do think that, like I want a strong base in outfield, but I also know that you're probably pretty likely during the course of a season to rotate like your fifth outfielder in and out uh, so, and it, you're obviously drafting a lot of those so i don't I don't mind like my last outfielder being from those rounds or even later, you know stuff like that but yeah, a lot of times it's I would say outfielder pitching.
0: What's the positions that you least want to be the last starting slots you're filling? I didn't put that in the notes, but I've got an answer. Uh, I
1: don't want to have I don't want to have too many outfielders. Like I just I don't want to wait too long on it. Um, middle infield, I've usually got filled before that. That was going to be my answer. Oh. Middle
0: infield's the one I want filled before round 20 probably even round like 17 18 yeah okay well, let's get into second baseman since that speaking of i guess that would be that could be a segue here so second base middle infield what's your draft strategy for filling that position this year
1: uh i don't i don't know if i have like an exact strategy for this position i i like Kind of certain guys at the top and in the middle and later. Uh, there's a lot of guys at this position I don't really like, so I'm not targeting. But, yeah, just every draft probably going to be a little different for me. At least right now it has been at this position, just kind of where the value falls and where I'm comfortable drafting a position, I guess.
0: Wow. I think for me personally, I like the top guys. I don't mind taking any of the like the top, uh, let's see, four of the second baseman. And then there's kind of a gap where I kind of don't want to take for a little bit. And then I don't mind getting another, like, from the middle chunk. So, and I don't mind either way how it goes. If I don't end up with one of those top guys, it's okay. I I see guys later that I like. But um, I think the big thing I'm noticing is, like, the second baseman with the ADP is anywhere from 50 to 120 or so. I'm not ending up with those too often. That's one thing I'm noticing. Yeah. We'll talk about that as we go through these guys. And we'll start off with Mookie Betts, who's got an ADP of five. Uh, We don't have to get, like, we know Mookie's great. But my question for you is, if you draft Mookie in the first first round, do you think you're more likely to end the draft – thinking of him as a second baseman, like filling your second base slot or an outfield slot?
1: Second base, for sure.
0: Oh, you seem pretty confident in that. Why is that?
1: Well, like I said, there's just there's so many outfielders later. Um, I mean, the flex is nice. You could put him in either spot, but I feel like when I'm looking at the pool of players – call it you know in those rounds you were talking about like in the 20s when you're kind of filling out the back end I'm more likely to like the outfielders than I am the second baseman there so yeah I'm probably almost every time gonna at least view him as my second baseman and how the season plays out you know who knows I mean you could have a guy that fills in there that breaks out and you move him to outfield stuff like that but yeah I would view him as my second baseman at least to start.
0: You know, for me, it likely depends on what's there in rounds two for two and four, two to four. For me, if I'm like on the clock in rounds two or two to four, and I see a good opportunity to draft one of those second basemen or a really good outfielder, I think Mookie's probably moving to the other slot in my head as I go. But I think more often not, he'll be an outfielder for me. I just I think there's enough second basemen I like going through there that I'll be okay with it. But I I. It it's, It is going to be close. I don't think it's a definitive for me, one way or the other. Um, Mookie has a min pick of two. He went second in one of these 23 draft champions leagues. Again, I forgot to say that at the, at the top, but I pulled the t- draft champions leagues from the last 30 days, and there were 23 of them, so this is recent here. Is it defendable to take Mookie all the way at two?
1: Defendable, yeah. Yeah, I think so.
0: Yeah, I'm on board with it, too. You know, he just, like, the thing is with him, he feels safe. Barring injury, he's going to be near the top in the league in runs scored. Going to steal in the double digits, hit over 25 home runs minimum. He's safe, dual eligible, which does give you more flexibility in that second and third round. So, yeah, I'm on board with that.
1: Like, if I'm in my main event draft right now and I have the second pick, which, by the way, I probably won't because I'm – It's not really where I want to pick if I'm not picking first. Uh, I'm not even positive who I would take, but he would be at least in the conversation. So I don't mind him at two, two, three, four, five. I mean, he's going to be in there somewhere, I think.
0: Yeah, I agree. So not much to say. Mookie's a stud. Uh, Moving on to number two as Ozzy Albies at 23 overall. So middle of the second round. I don't have a lot to say about this pick. I mean, personally, I think it's about right. Ozzie's been awesome in four of the last seasons. I'm sorry, four of the last six seasons. And in the other two, he was hurt. So don't have much to say. He's really good. Good lineup. Anything really you want to add on him?
1: Uh, Not a ton. I mean, I think it's probably close to the right spot. Um, Puts the bat on the ball. I think the big thing with him that I just wonder a little bit – and I, you have to split hairs when you're this high. Mm-hmm. I think that the difference between hitting second in the lineup between like Acuna and Riley or Acuna and Olsen, however they want to play it, is a lot different than hitting six, seven, eight, 7, uh, which I do think is possible too depending on who else in the lineup is playing well and stuff like that. The lineup's so elite. Um, And you could argue, you know, the lineup's so good, I don't care if he's hitting 6th, 7th, 8th, but it does matter. Uh, Last season, 78 games, he hit second, 34, he hit sixth. Those were the two slots he hit the most. And he just had more production from the two-hole than from the six, as you would expect more stolen base attempts, more runs in RBI per game. Um, so just things to think about. I, I don't think it's like a huge deal, but I do think there is a possibility that we get into the season and if he isn't playing at like the uber elite level, he isn't hitting second. And I mean, when you're picking him in the second round, you you kind of have to split hairs. I think that's an outcome, but... Generally, I think he's fine. Just something to think about.
0: No, I think that's fair. Michael Harris played really well in the second half, and I mean, I think two years ago Michael Harris opened the year as the guy in the two hole, or was that last year? I think that was last year. My, Harris was starting the year in the two hole. Yeah, and yeah.
1: Then, I think it's it's kind of bounced around. I mm-hmm. mean, Olsen's even Olson's even hit there too. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's yep. a lot of ways it could go there.
0: I think that's an argument I've made about Albie's a few years ago in terms of whenever he was getting bounced around to the five six hole. So I think that there's some that's a legitimate point. Yeah. Uh, next up at third overall amongst second basemen, Marcus Simeon at twenty nine overall. So right there at that two three wheel, you know, in the in the last five full MLB seasons, if you take away twenty twenty, Marcus Simeon has missed a grand total of four games and that stretch so this guy is a compiler that's just absolutely incredible marcus simeon is the mlb iron man here
1: yeah yeah one of four players this past season to play all 162 games all 670 of his plate appearances came from the leadoff spot which is equally absurd (laughs) Uh yeah been been chopping the K rate 20% 2 years ago or in 20% 2021 16% 2022 14% last year. So, yeah, seems like he could even be getting better a little bit. Um yeah, I'm fine with Simeon. I haven't I haven't gotten him but I think it's a totally fine pick.
0: Yep. Agreed. Yeah, cut he's it's like he's you know, he hit 45 homers that two years ago or um, in 2021. And at that point his barrels uh, was like 9.8% launch angle. Actually his launch angle is still about the same. So it's not like he's leveled his swing out at all. That was something I was wondering as I was just now looking at him. So yeah, great job by Simeon. And yeah, it's one of those deals to where when you're hitting on top of that lineup with those hitters behind you, I mean, that's an absolutely loaded team. So he's going to be one of those guys near the top of the league and run scored, which is an under, Rated like a, one of the more overlooked stats in baseball, in my opinion. Um, Jose Altuve, fortieth overall. Um, he played ninety games. If I recall, it was a broken hand or wrist that cost him the first two months of the season. Does that sound right, Andrew?
1: Sounds right. I don't remember exactly.
0: Well, he returned. I want to say in mid or late late May, early June, and he made the most of it when healthy. A three eleven batting average was seventeen homers 14 steals 76 runs and 90 or 51 rbi again in like 90 games so he ran more with the new mlb rules on on stealing have you drafted any altuve shares yet and what do you think about him in the late third
1: uh i haven't gotten him in any redrafts i think it's fine um some of, his, some of the metrics are down, but I, I lean more with him to just trusting the track record. Uh, his ground ball rate was up pretty significantly, 41% the last two years to 49% this year. Something to keep an eye on a little bit. But yeah, the track record's so strong that uh, I think that kind of overrides everything and Just little things like 348 Babbitt would have been sixth in the league. That probably drops, you know, stuff like that. But, uh, yeah, he's going to be solid average, solid solid everything, really. I mean, he should contribute across the board, hit at the top of the loaded lineup. So, I uh, yeah, I have no issues with Altuve.
0: Yeah, I think he's a value this year where he's going. I I saw what you were seeing about the, you know, some dips there, but – on the same note like his expected batting average a lot of the last few years has been lower than you'd expect and he continues outperforming it like he's on a he's going 10 to 15 picks later than Albies and Simeon in a really good lineup and the new rules have it seem I mean one year of it he ran more which we didn't see out of the other two guys meaning Albies and Simeon actually Simeon ran less he was 25 for 33 in 2022 and was only 14 for 17 so he ran half the time I don't see anything in Altuve's stat line that says like fluke except the batting average again. But, you know, like I just said, that's been, he's exceeded it most year or most every year in the last five years. Um, if you add another 40 to 50 games to what Altuve did last year, that's 25 t- homers, 21 steals, and 110 runs, and 78, fi- 75 to 80 RBI. And I'm not saying that that's what you can project him for or anything, but. I just think that that's pretty good value getting him in the mid to late third round that I'm looking, now that I'm looking further into him, you know, he could stop running as much and that's a risk, but the floor just feels really high. So yeah, I'm in, I'm, I like Altuve a little more after doing. Have you, day. uh,
1: have you drafted him at all?
0: No, I haven't. I'm, I've done two drafts, but reading this, I have a feeling I'm going to like after kind of doing a little digging into him. That's what I love about these position previews is that honestly, like so many, I, I'm going to run up and down this. And just like in first base, my mind is changing on players as I'm doing a little more digging on them.
1: It's a little tricky when you're talking about guys this high too, because it kind of depends a little on where you're at. Yes. Like, I mean, if you're like, for example, at the one, two turn, you're not taking him and then he's probably not getting to the three, four turn. So stuff like that, but.
0: But if um, I'm picking in the middle yeah. of the third
1: now, I might be paying a little more attention to him. Yeah, whenever he goes, I'm usually like, yeah, a good pick.
0: All right, moving on. We got Nico Horner and Matt McClain, um, going right there next to each other. They are both second-base shortstop eligible. Uh, Nico Horner's at 60 and Matt McClain's at 62. So, again, these are the first two guys we have going really close together. Andrew, you've been very vocal about Horner's price and not liking it. For those just starting to listen to fantasy baseball podcasts, why don't you tell everybody why that is?
1: Oh man, we could have done a whole podcast on this guy.
0: <laughs> yes, we could
1: have. <laughs> um I'll start with the good. Uh he should help in batting average, puts the bat on the ball, uh, doesn't whiff uh two eighty I think he hit 280 last year, maybe a little over 283 maybe. Um, expected batting average was closer to 270. Um, but he should hit for average. He should contribute stolen bases and assuming he stays at the top of the lineup, he should score runs. So, if that's what you're looking for at kick, what is it? 60? Uh, By all means, but man, I, I hate this pick. I absolutely hate it. Uh, there, so he has, he has absolutely no power bottom 20% of the league in expected slugging, average exit velocity, barrel rate, hard hit rate, bottom 20%. Uh, like I said, he's a good base dealer. But the other thing to keep in mind here is I think a lot of why he's drafted here is based on volume and hitting at the top of the lineup. This guy has a 7% walk rate for his career, under 7% for his career, 7.1 last year. Uh, And the Cubs have a new manager. Craig Council, who obviously took over for David Ross. uh, Do I think that that means that Horner won't hit at the top of the lineup? Not necessarily, especially right away. I'm sure at the beginning of the season he will. But I think there's just things to keep in mind here. Um, When Council managed the Brewers, the top of his lineup are the guys who got the majority of of it bats whether it be during the season or their two playoff games, Christian Yelich, William Contreras, Willie Adamas, Carlos Santana, Mark Canna. Those guys were in the playoffs at the top of his lineup. What do all five of those guys have in common? Double-digit walk rates. Cubs, last two seasons, have ran more than the Brewers. Why do I bring the Brewers up? Because of council. Thirty-nine more stolen base attempts in the last two years combined. Granted, that's not a ton, but it's something. Um, some of the running could have been manager related. I'm not like guaranteeing that council's gonna come in and Horner's gonna run as wild. I mean, I should have mentioned this. Forty-three steals for Horner. If you look at his entire history, it looks like a complete outlier. Now, some people will say it's because of the new rules, but was it really that or was it team philosophy? Like how much of that's going to change? Is he going to continue to just do the exact same thing? I don't know. You know, and like I said, combine that with the chance. I mean, it's not like the Cubs don't have double digit walk rate guys. Ian Hap, Dansby Swanson was last year. He's upped his walk rate. Say Suzuki double digit walk rate. Um, so all to say it's not so much about Horner. Like, I think he's a solid hitter. And like I said, he's going to make a lot of contact, but it's this cost. It's the 60th pick of the draft. Uh, there's going to be guys way down this list that I think can do the exact same thing as Nico Horner. And they go, and I don't even love them, but they're at least going 60, 70 picks later. I think everybody's just leaning too much into this 43 stolen bases. This guy has 22 career home runs in 397 games played in the major leagues. That's just under nine home runs per 162 games. So you're playing volume, and at the absolute best, you're getting a guy that isn't helping at all in home runs and RBI. Like, There's no chance of that. So you're hoping that he stays at the top of the lineup and runs as much as he did last year. And I think there's a chance that that doesn't happen. So, yeah, completely out on this. If if I have to make a list of guys that I'm like I'm most out on for this season, like I'm not even looking at him when he goes.
0: And you know that 9-10 to 10 homers, you know, looking at his barrels, you Brought up that half the barrels are typically supposed to be homers, and I mean he should have had four to five homers if you're going off his barrel numbers. And yeah, he's had nine and ten, and maybe playing in Wrigley and getting to play on some games where the wind's blowing out or something like else like that. You know, some series in Cincinnati also maybe maybe those things are helping contribute and get him there, and maybe he'll stay in that range given he's had ten and nine. But he could also show up next year and get five, and. That's a, I mean, that's a really good point that I hadn't thought about in terms of counsel coming in. That does make a difference, and yeah, you're right. I mean, as soon, before you even got to listing who the Brewers have been playing at the top of the lineup, I was like, yeah, I, if I recall right, Yelich hits one or two almost every game nowadays. So, good points.
1: Yeah, I mean, I actually meant to mention the the barrels to homers, which is another outlier, but um, yeah, I mean, I think if I was setting a line for his homers, I'd probably put it at like eight, eight and a half. Um, and he probably will have to volume his way to over that again. You know, I think a lot of it will come down to the steals. Like if you believe in his projection. So his steamer is 281. 12 homers,
0: which he's never done.
1: sixty. 60- Yeah, which he's never done. 67 RBI, 85 runs, and 31 steals. So they've got him dropping 12 steals. If you believe in that, that's the 52nd hitter in terms of pure value. And over the last month, he's being drafted as the 38th. Mm -hmm. So if you are like, that stat line's good for me, it still isn't a value. So, yeah, just – like I said, I I love my Cubs, but I'm – I'm never going to be a homer at this when I'm talking about this stuff, and I just cannot get behind putting yourself this far behind in power this early in the draft. I mean, we don't even like Esther Ruiz, and he goes way later than this and has more stolen base upside and, by the way, has a higher barrel percentage than Nico (laughs) Horner. It's just – like the guy it's the 60th pick of the draft I I just don't yeah it's I can't do it I don't get it at all
0: yeah there's a lot of good players still at the 60th overall yeah all right let's move on to Matt McLean then who's right there with him let's talk about his steamer projections uh 255 with 23 homers and 17 steals thought I'd just play one of those best of three over unders where are you at on McLean?
1: oh on the steamer um I'll go over. I like McLean. I don't know which, which ones he gets, gets it in, but um, I'll go over from May 15th, which was the day he made his debut till August 27th, which was his last game of the season. He was the number two second baseman in Roto behind Mookie bats. Mm. Um, first round pick in 2021. He's I, – I think he's capable of helping across the board. Uh, he did have a 385 BABIP. I don't – the 290 batting average isn't real. I think he's probably closer to 250, 260, maybe into 270. But I don't think he'll hit 290 again. But I do think he can help in power and speed. And the park just helps a ton, kind of like we've talked about, you know, buoy – the the power especially but even can help batting average too so yeah i like mclean um he does strike out a little more than you'd like to see but i also just i don't feel like he's likely to lose like i don't feel like it's likely it's going to elevate to the point that he's losing playing time and such a good debut and uh yeah i think there's still room for some growth i do expect regression in the batting average but um yeah, good power speed combo that's second and short eligible. I should have mentioned that with Horner too, um second and short eligibility. Those things, those little things do do matter and help a little bit, so I like to mention them when I can.
0: I'm with you, I'll take the overs. And I'm with you about the batting average like I don't I'd take the under on that, but you know, last year with a 28% K rate, his expecting batting average was 255. And that's his K rate in the first taste in the bigs, Um, you know, his first 89 games. And I think, I mean, that's that's not bad for a rookie. I'm going to predict that he improves that in either this year or next. I don't know if it'll be this year, but as he ascended to double A in 2022, he also had a 28% K rate. He made the jump from double A to triple A last year, and in 40 games, it was down to 20%. And, you know, that jump in difficulty from double A to triple A isn't that big. I hear. Um, I'm I'm gonna say that now that he's been in the league for 89 games and had his first taste, he'll do better. And so I'm over in that 255 average and all over the 18 steals, which means I'm taking the overs. The home run total, that one sounds pretty close to me. I honestly think that's about
1: right for what I would be projecting.
0: So yeah, I I'm with you on it.
1: Yeah, between uh, between AAA and the majors, Matt McClain last season. 28 homers, 24 steals, um, and a really, really good batting average. So, yeah, and, he, and he's always walked more. That's one area I think we could see improvement. Mm-hmm. Um, he 7.7% walk rate in his 89 major league games, but in the minors he's always been much higher than that. So I think we could see some improvement there. And, uh, yeah, I think we could look look up at the end of the season. wouldn't shock me if he went, like, Twenty five, twenty or something like that. So, yeah, I, I like him.
0: Yeah, I I think of it this way: like if he if he's not a bad guy to buy high on in dynasty if you could, because I think that there's I think that the potential's there for him to be even better. Um, if you were to draft a one of these two, you have second base or shortstop. Do you think you're like more likely to have them in one slot or
1: the other? Or it's just kind of a, a, hard to tell. Well, if it's one of these two, I'm drafting McLean. No, I mean in the second <laughs> but... base and shortstop slot. Okay. No, I know. I'm just making a joke. Um I would they would be in a second base slot, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. There's so many there's so many shortstops. Yep, I'm with you on that.
0: All right, let's move on to the next guy who's got second base and shortstop and also third base out eligibility, and that's Seung Kim. His steals exploded from 12 to 38 last year. The new rules seem to make him want to run more. And Steamer's projecting 27 steals. So I thought I'd ask, start with that. Do you have an over under or on 27 bags?
1: Uh, I don't feel strongly. I probably would lean under, but I don't feel strongly about it.
0: Yeah. I kind of in a similar boat i don't really know which way to go on that one but um just what are your thoughts on kim let's get into kim
1: uh as obvious positives doesn't doesn't chase strong strikeout and walk rates uh i i don't know i don't i'm kind of like mixed on him a little bit he he was so good last year And the triple eligibility is beautiful. Second base, third base shortstop. But I really wonder about the power, uh, 18 barrels this past season. And he had whatever it was, I think 17 home runs. And I, I think that I can see outcomes where this home run total is pretty ugly. So, yeah, I'm. Home run fly ball rate was up. Um, I just don't. I don't know where to put the. Th- this past year just felt like the dream for Kim, right? I mean, hits at the top of the order, running wild. Um, I could see him continuing to hit at the top of the order, but they also have enough talented hitters that he could not too – And I think that, like I said, that the home run total could could let you down. I'm not real big on taking guys early that their home runs, like their floor for homers is scary low. I think he's one of those guys, but I do also like that when you take him, you kind of have the freedom to attack whatever position comes to you between second, short, and third, so yeah kind of a mixed bag with Kim. I was higher on him like a month ago than I am now. uh I mean, as good as his season was, it was a seven forty nine o p s you know, and it was really good. but I just think there's a few warning signs to pay attention to as well.
0: I took Kim in the rotomasters draft and Holden right after I took him and told you about it or something maybe maybe I, I think that was when we had the like you you kind of gave me a heads up you're like just be careful about taking them too early there's some thing I have some questions about the power outlet and you know as I looked into it for this episode I, I see why and it's kind of like you were saying you know bail rate only 4.2 percent which is consistent with the previous two years which were 4.2 and 4.5 and you know in those seasons he had 11 and 150 and eight and 117 games. So 9 to 12 seems like a much safer prediction. And like you said, that's you know, that's 17 getting up to 17 and then the 38. I mean, it sounds like Nico Horner in the grand scheme of things. Nico except he walk he had a much better walk rate this last year. The eligibility's nice, but yeah, I think I'm going to be a little cooler on him going forward after doing some research this week.
1: Yeah, I think I think too if he was only second base eligible. Gosh, where would he be going? I mean, no,
0: not there. I mean,
1: definitely I, not here.
0: 1738 would probably have him still have some buzz, but I don't. Yeah. I think you're probably going down. Like, I bet he's going down at least one, maybe two slots, probably in that one to 110, 120 range, I would think.
1: Yeah. Yeah, probably. Yeah.
0: All right, let's move on to number eight, and that would be Glaber Torres with the Yankees at 93 overall. Gleber Torres, is he somehow an underrated New York Yankee in terms of fantasy? I didn't know that was possible, if so.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I, I can get behind that, yeah.
0: You know, I think 2020 and 2021 left such a bad taste in the mouths of owners who had him, along with the Yankee fans, that he still gets a lot of hate. But in the last two years, he's been pretty good. In 2023, he had the best K percentage of his career, second best walk percentage. Hard hit rate was over 40% for the second year in a row. His stolen base totals have been in the double digits now for a couple years now, I think two or three in a row. I think as I looked, I'm like, okay, I need, like, I personally have overlooked him in these drafts, and I need to pay more attention. I kind of like him, and, you know, like, him versus um, Haseon Kim, I'm taking Torres. Like, where are you at on that?
1: Yeah, I'd definitely take Torres. Uh most of the stuff you said that I was gonna hit on three straight years, double digit steals. Uh he turned it up in the second half, five oh four slug in the second half, career best strikeout rate, like you mentioned. I his barrel rate dipped a little bit from the previous year, but he just he helps across the board. I for whatever reason people seem to hate on Glaber, but he's solid across the board. Batting averages solid, you know, two sixty to two seventy typically is what what you're going to get. I think he's 267 career. Um, and he has power. He chips in speed. He's in a good lineup and a good park. Like this is a guy that's gonna, you know, you're maybe not hitting a home run with in your draft, but you're hitting a single or a double. It's just production locked in. Um, and he doesn't, he just isn't going to hurt you anywhere. I don't think so. Yeah. I, I really like him. I, uh, Going forward, especially I'm gonna be I'm gonna be targeting them. I luckily have him in a dynasty league. But yeah, I just I like I like players typically these days, especially where it's more power and then they chip in speed as opposed to the other way around, like more speed and they may chip in power. I don't wanna have to worry too much about the power and I don't with him. Like I still think he'll help a little bit in speed and average, you know, kind of, he's really not hurting you. So, yeah, I like Glaber.
0: You know, he only had 68 RBI last year, and that was a bad year for the Yankees in terms of just their lineup, they're on base. Now Juan Soto's there, so literally in the 2-3 hole, barring health, Aaron Judge and Juan Soto are sitting there. And he likely will either be right after him or just like a player or two after to where, like, that 68 um, RBI that should go up. I didn't even look and see what's his steamer projection for RBI 88. So yeah, they're, they're baking that in there to so, where. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah, but, his projection, his projection is the fifth most valuable second baseman and should have mentioned too, first full season last year with a 10% walk rate.
0: That's awesome. So, yeah, Um, I'm assuming i I might play this game as we go down until I can find until you actually say his name, uh, Glaber Torres versus Nico Horner. You're taking Glaber, right? Yep. Yep. Okay. Well, we'll keep moving down then to the next <laughs> two: um, Bryson Stott and Andres Jimenez at 102 and 107. Him or him with these two guys? Not with not with Nico. yet. we'll uh, get to that in a second.
1: I don't. I don't feel strong. I thought about this because I saw you had it in here. I don't feel strong. I actually feel like they're pretty similar. Um, neither one of them strikes out much. Neither one of them walks much. They actually kind of remind me of Horner, but they're going after pick 100. It's a big difference. You know, uh, if Horner was going in this range, I, I probably wouldn't be saying as much, but, uh, yeah, I, I think these two, I don't even really have a strong preference. I'm probably not getting either one. Cause I'm probably waiting past this spot. Uh, Jimenez, maybe a little more likely to hit higher in the lineup simply because the, the guardians lineup isn't as strong as the Phillies. Obviously with the Phillies, you got Schwarber, Trey Harper. It's pretty hard to crack, you know, but, um, yeah, I think their end of season output should be pretty close with, uh, strider or with (laughs) strider uh stott and Jimenez.
0: these are my notes that i wrote down when i dug into them i kind of feel like they're the same player um my answer is whoever's cheaper and honestly i'm not in love with either at their price so (laughs) we don't talk about this stuff but sometimes we end up in the same place and yeah i think we are there okay um nico horner versus stott and Jimenez. where's nico
1: i think he's i think he's in with these guys like I don't know if I would take him over them, but yeah. So I don't know if I would take, I, I think, yeah, this is where this is more like where I think he should be. Yeah. And, and Kim and Kim too. I think Glaber and McLean should be above these guys. And then Kim slots in, there's still, there's still a couple guys I like, well, actually there's a few guys I like, like well, more, but we'll get to them. Okay. Well, we'll
0: move on. Um, we need to find some things to disagree on, Andrew, because so far we're pretty much in agreement on stuff. Um. Well, let's move on to the next, guys. We got 11 through 13, and we have Ketel Marte at 121 overall. And then we have Zach Giloff, Giloff I always forget, at 133. And then Tyro Estrada, who's second base and shortstop eligible for the Giants at 137. Uh, start off with Marte. Steamer projects a 276 batting average, 21 homers, 7 steals. I wanted to play the over-under best-of-three game again with him. What do you think?
1: Uh, I'll take – I think it's about right. I think – I'd take the over, but I think it's it's close. I, I'd probably project like – I would take the over on the steals, and I think between the other two he can get one. So I'd take the over slightly, but – don't
0: feel strong. Marte's hit at least 276 in four of the last five seasons, so I'd over that batting average. That said, uh, the home run total, when you look at like the expected home runs, it seems like he should be more of a 15-18 to 18 home run bat than this 21 he did last year and then projecting, what did, they, what did I just say? 20, 20, 21. No, he hit 24, I think, last year, and they're projecting 21. I think that's what it was. Yeah, And then it comes down to the steals, which I think is close. And I I went over, but I don't feel great about it. But the big thing I was thinking as I looked at this is I would over that batting average, but I would under the home run total. Safe guy. I, it's kind of what I feel about him. Just safe guy to take. What do you think of the price for him here?
1: Uh, I like the price. Um, I've had years in the past where I haven't liked him, but he's been going higher than this, uh, at least off memory. I know there's definitely been years he has. But, uh, yeah, reliable batting average, uh, 279 career. So he's going to get that. He should get volume hitting near the top of – I expect to, to hit near the top of oh, obviously really a, good good li- a good lineup. Yeah, strong K to walk and strong batted ball data. I mean this – especially this past year. uh, One of the craziest stat cast things that you'll hear this year in each of the last six seasons, he has been top 4% in the league in max exit velocity. Really? So I don't know if I, if I agree with you on the home run part, I think that, um, it is, it is a little weird cause like the last four seasons or his last four full seasons, 32, Here are his home run totals, 32, 14, 12 and 25. Uh, the 14 was in 90 games played. So you could say, call that 20, but you're still kind of bouncing around. Um, but yeah, max EV is kind of a hint at ceiling, um, so, yeah, I I think he's uh, properly valued to maybe even undervalued a little bit this season. So, yeah, I think he isn't going to hurt you. And you might, you know, look up at the end of the year and be like, yeah, that was a that was a good pick. So it, I don't uh, I haven't drafted him, but I'm open to it for sure.
0: Kind of like you said earlier about um, who was it you're saying was drafting a single. And I kind of feel that way. If you're, I think it was Altube. Glaber. Oh, it was Gla- Glaber. Yeah, Glaber.
1: I, I feel similar. What I mean, with, no. what I mean by that was just to just to explain real quick is just you may not, you know, not every pick has to be a huge home mm-hmm. run like win, but if you're just extracting value from the pick, even if it's by a little bit, um, that's you know that's a good pick. So yeah, it's sorry a, I didn't mean to. cut
0: you? No, you're good. If you're, and I think he. Well, if you've drafted like a Pete Alonzo or a Bobby Witt early where you may not have as high of a batting average built in, but you've got quite a few, uh, especially Pete Alonso, where you've, or I guess Bobby Witt too, where you've gotten yourself a pretty good amount of home runs and, you know, counting stats, but you could use just a little more safety in the batting average. I think he's a fine pick there. Uh, Zach Giloff versus Ty- Tyra Estrada there. Which one were you taking? Uh, Jill Off. Jeez. Okay. I always call him Giloff. All right. Uh, talk about him. Why? Why him over Tyra? Uh,
1: I just think he has more power. Uh, 138 games last season between AAA and the majors. 26 homers, 34 steals. Uh, from the day he made his debut. Speaking on uh, off July fourteenth. From that day on, he was the number three second baseman behind Simeon and Betts. Twenty twenty projection: one of nineteen players to have that steamer. I like him. I I think this is call it close to what you expect out of Glaber. I like, um, yeah, I like Jell-Off a lot. He's going to play every single day. Granted, the lineup isn't good, but you know as well as I do, you can volume your way to good counting numbers just hitting high in the lineup every day, even if it's not a great lineup. And I just, there's nobody that's going to take his job. Uh, he, he would have to be so bad. I can't even imagine. You know, I don't expect that. So, yeah, I would take him over stott jimenez i mean i won't have to decide about horner because he'll always be gone but you know what i mean so yeah i like him uh i like him quite a bit i think he can help across the board yeah maybe not maybe not the greatest in batting average but eh, tbd you know
0: i hate that oakland lineup but i agree with jill off um it it of these two against each other, it's not like that San Francisco lineup around Estrada is that great either. I looked, and looked at their projected lineup, and, I mean, right now it's Jung-Ho Lee, uh, Lamonte Wade Jr., Wilmer Flores, and Michael Conforto surrounding Estrada. So it's not like we're talking about a huge difference here in skill um, players around them, but g tools are a lot louder. Steamer, proje- like you just said, projecting a 2020 season. Who... Like, Jiloff could be a clean 5-for-5 in these categories straight up. It would not surprise me. Um, Moving over to Estrada, you know, I had him last year in a dynasty league, and he had a great start, 9 homers and 18 steals, nearing the end of June in those 67 games. But he wasn't as great in the second half, and maybe the injury was part of it. That's when he got hurt. But at the end of the season, he was even starting to hit 8th against some right-handed pitchers, something that I'm keeping in the back of my mind and watching I've been a fan of him, but I think most of that was because of the first half of last year as I had him. And I think I'm cooling a little bit. He's probably still a 250 hitter, but I don't think he's like much more than a 10 to 13 homer bat with 20 to 25 steals, and that's just okay. So, yeah, um, I definitely would be waiting a little bit on him. I'm probably not taking either much, but I do like Giloff
1: a little bit here. Yeah, with, with Estrada... Uh... I don't know, like in the second half, 89 wrc plus and a 3.3% walk rate. Yeah. Uh I I don't get why we're he's projected for 12, 17 home runs. Like where is that coming from? I, I mean, wonder
0: if, I wonder if he was hurt in the second half. I honestly don't remember and that's part of what was hurting his production. I don't know. Yeah,
1: he yeah, he doesn't he doesn't hit the ball hard. Um, he does, like I said, he doesn't walk, strikeout rate went up last season from 16 to 22%. So, yeah, I, I feel like with Estrada, he's a guy that is there until someone better comes along yeah. and then he just isn't going to be there anymore, you know? And, and there's, there's value in playing time. I don't really think all that said, I don't really think he's going to lose playing time this season. Just because they don't have, it's it's not like the Giants are got tons of guys, middle infielders that are going to take his job, you know, lined up to take his job, so to speak. But yeah, that's just kind of how I feel about him. Three thirty one Babbitt, two forty eight XBA. I don't know. It's just another guy that is a light hitting. Second baseman, there's there's a lot of them, by the way. So any of these guys with some power, like some juice in them, I'm kind of pushing those guys up because a lot of these guys are more, you Punch know, and juice. maybe yeah, maybe helps in batting average. You hope it gets you some steals and doesn't hit single digit homers. I feel like so many of them are are like that. But the one thing I will, I'll give him Estrada is that he is he's got the eligibility, the both infield you know, second short and his price isn't egregious or anything. It's not like you're taking him super high. So, but yeah, not a guy I'm really targeting.
0: That's true. That said, there are a ton of second basemen as we're running down this that have that multi-position eligibility too. And the next guy we're about to talk about, or there's two guys, and one of them is one of those. We got Tommy Edmond at uh, 155 overall. He's second short and outfield eligible. He's the 14th second baseman here. And Luis Arias, uh, with Miami at 158. You know, these two are very different players, but they're going at the same spot basically. What are your thoughts on these two?
1: Yeah, with Edmond, uh, I should probably just let you talk about Edmond, but real quick. <laughs> triple eligible, got to like that, second base shortstop, outfield. Um, I think he's kind of gone in the last year or two from overrated to more properly rated, maybe a little underrated. Main thing with him, I think, to just watch is the playing time. I think that's – like if he's playing all the time, like if he's regularly playing, I think he'll have – he'll help in fantasy. Like he has been – When he has, and the worry is just always, well, when will that stop? Um, But he's a good enough defender. He's fast and he's a good defender. Those two things help. So, yeah, I think that he'll survive the playing time because they can move him around. And he's versatile, you know, not just locked into one spot. So I think he's probably going to be okay this season, but that's when I, when it goes south for Tommy Edmond, it's going to just be because he just stops getting playing time or he's just a backup that rotates in and out. You know, I know you haven't been the biggest fan. Maybe I should just turn it over to you since he's a Cardinal.
0: Yep. Let me go here. Wind me up. Here I go. Um One big problem with Edmond also on top of things I've said in past years is he hit ninth a lot last year when everyone was healthy. If Brennan Donovan's healthy, if Lars Newtmar's, Newt bar is healthy, He's probably hitting in the nine hole. It's because, you know, um, Marmol he he is one that wants to get his on base percentage guys at the top of the lineup, and he, you know, Edmonds scored ninety one and ninety five runs in twenty twenty one and twenty twenty two, and he only scored sixty nine, albeit in a hundred and thirty nine game thirty seven games played. So he had he did have an IL stint in there, but. With health, 75 sounds like a more projectable number for Edmund in the run score department. So I I look at him and think he could be some pretty empty steals. Subpar in the home runs, batting average just okay, counting stats in the runs in RBI, eh, to where, yeah, I'm, I mean, I just, I'm not, a, not huge on him. Um, he's always been a guy who has decent size splits in his o, OPS. That's the other thing I wanted to add. Like Albies, he's shown much stronger on the right side of the plate against lefties. And he even experimented some against hitting right-handed against some of the, like I think, stronger right-handed pitchers in the last year too. But anyways, this last year, the splits were less. Um, and this could just be a small sample thing, but in previous seasons, his OPS right-handed was around 800, and it was only 700 this last year. Or, I'm sorry, it, it was, and it's usually 700 against right-handers, and this last year it was 731 as compared to 699 against right-handers. So his OPS dropped too on his strong side where he's supposed to be better. So, yeah, I just – I'm still not a fan. I mean, the thing he provides is steals and flexibility, three positions that he can give, and there is something to that. But I don't know. I I just not in on the price. Um,
1: the, other, the other thing that we should have mentioned at the top, because a lot of these guys steal bases – is the value of stolen bases, and this is actually something I should have mentioned when we were on Horner. The value of stolen bases is down because mm-hmm. the number of stolen bases is obviously up. So you can't treat like a 20 steal guy two years ago is different than a 20 steal guy now, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, Edmund last season was the 12th most valuable roto second baseman and he's going 14th his steamer projection is 16th so i personally think that the price is fine but i get the concerns i i have most of them myself so
0: it's that position eligibility that moves him up guys like that get moved up for that reason and there is there is a a like there is a value to that that I'm not thinking about whenever I'm kind of talking here that I don't I I may not give enough credit but yeah just not for me um Luis Arias on the other end you know he's that guy that you if you need batting average like I was saying before took a lot of power speed guys early I mean obviously he's a great one to have to improve that but um you know it's empty on that end and you know if you took a Schwarber early I honestly think that He's a good pairing. Arias is, but um, like I know you took him in one league, boy, fell in our Rotomaster's drafting hold. Have you ended up with him on any other teams
1: yet? No, I hope I don't have to draft him anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't. I don't hate the cost with Arias. Uh, you know he's going. What, what what did you say the ADP was? One. One fifty eight. So eleven. One fifty eight. Yeah, eleventh round. Um, I would rather, like in a, an ideal world, I would rather draft my batting average early and not even have to look at this guy when he gets to this point. But, um, you know, he's a pretty self explanatory player. He's going to help you in batting average. The question is, is it going to be 285 or 350? You know, which that's a big difference. If, if he's only hitting th- even 300, uh, I don't know. I don't know if it's good enough because the power and speed just, isn't going to be there at all, um, but he's a good he's he's a good pair with like the super toolsy batting average risks that you take high in the draft. Call it Ellie O'Neill, Cruz, Luis Robert, you name it. Like the Jazz Chisholm, there's a bunch of them. So I think he's a good pair with those guys. But you just do have to be aware that you're you know you you could just be getting mostly empty batting average. I mean, I do expect it to help there, but. What a weird player, like 133 qualified hitters. He's the only hitter with a K rate under 10% out of 133. And it was 5.5%. He's like, yeah, just, yeah, just unique for sure. Throwback. Um, Yeah. Hard, hard to price really, but I don't think that it's a bad cost. Um, but if you're targeting batting average in this range, one recommendation I would have is just to maybe be a little more cognizant of it at the top of the draft. So you don't have to like there there's no the other thing is there's no real pivots off this guy. Like if you if you're targeting him and you miss him, who are you taking instead? You know, it's it's not much. So. There's a
0: couple of them. I mean, we've talked about like Yandi Diaz was one that I think he I might, meant,
1: I more so meant at this position. I could think of one, but yeah, we haven't got to him
0: okay all right that's where we're going to close this thing off andrew and i are going to be back in just a few days and we will put out episode 168 which will be the second half of the second base preview we will talk about everybody after 15 and until then take care everybody